Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free and catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to Red Carpet Rendezvous Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conlon, and I've got a special extra episode today um, that you can also view the video for on WABC's YouTube channel as well with actor, producer, director, and Baldwin brother, Daniel Baldwin. So Daniel has a documentary film premiering at the Long Beach International Film Festival in New York on Friday, July 30th called My Promise to PJ. And... You guys get ready to be emotional. Um, it's a true story about a friend of Daniel's who was promised if he stayed sober for two years from heroin, Daniel would take him to run with the bulls in Spain. And um, PJ did get sober for two years, but then unfortunately he relapsed and died. So Daniel took his ashes and ran with the bulls, fulfilling his promise to PJ. So it's a beautiful, beautiful story and a beautiful documentary as well. And the film is actually being shown for free at 8.30 p.m. on Friday, July 30th on the sands of Long Beach, um, which is beautiful. It's it's very close to Manhattan if you, if you live in Manhattan. But it's a special beach theater made specifically for the Long Beach Film Festival, which is celebrating its ninth year with free movie screenings outside on the shores of Long Beach. So Daniel and I, um, we discussed the film. And, you know, I also couldn't help myself. Um, I got a little bit of tea regarding his time on Celebrity Rehab on VH1 just because I'm very fascinated with that whole show in general. If you guys listen to this podcast, you've probably heard me um, make mention of it before, but I just, I'm fascinated. So I had to ask him about that. But, but yes, get ready for my interview with Daniel Baldwin. My promise to PJ. I'm so excited to see it. Now, um, I just want to ask you, can you describe PJ to all of us? Well, um, PJ's mom, Barbara mm-hmm. Jean, my brother Alex's first girlfriend in junior high school. That's how far back. And wow. dad is the first boy to ever kiss my sister, Beth. So oh, we've, right, we've known them. Um, I, I've known the Constantinos, Barbara Jean and her family since I'm like, you know, kindergarten, first grade. I mean, we all. They were a little older than me. And as a service to my sobriety, I put the message out on social media that I'll help you if you have somebody in your family that's struggling. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, and we'll see if we can't get them into rehab or do whatever it is. And that's how, you know, when Facebook kind of took off, suddenly you were talking to people you hadn't talked to since you went to high school, you know. So, right. I love that. Stopped me to help uh, PJ. And um, we went on this, you know, decade long journey together of, putting him into one play and then he'd come out, he'd do okay. And then he'd, uh, he, he just was, um, he was literally the kind of cat guy that would see someone with, you know, a homeless guy with broken flip-flops and mm-hmm. give you, he would walk barefoot. Yeah. Yeah. Giving loving, just this, this great kid, you know, I really loved. I'm so sorry for your loss. And, and I never, 
know exactly what to say. So I apologize if I'm awkward about that. I know it's like, it's super weird. I always want to acknowledge that I am awkward about that, but I, I truly am sorry. And I think what you did, um, you know, this whole documentary and I, I mean, it's incredible, really, Daniel, it's incredible. And it's incredible that you, I, I want to know all about how do you even prep to run with bulls? Like literally, how do you even prepare for that? You know, um, there's three types of bull runners. I've said this before. There's the guys that run in the beginning and then the bulls start because you can't outrun them. They're running at about 35 miles an hour. So they're, they're, you know, 10 miles an hour slower than a thoroughbred racehorse. Um, and they're checking. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's guys that run in the beginning and then when the bull gets close, they dive out of the way. And then there's other guys let the bulls start to pass and then they run alongside him for a few steps and then, you know, the bulls take off. And then there's the idiots like myself that run in the pack with the bulls. And so, you know, where else would two alcoholic drug addicts decide to run? PJ and I said we were going to run in dead man's curve and run with the bulls. And there was criteria we had. You had to touch a bull. You had to touch the bull's horn. Um, and then I, uh, <laughs> I said to him, I said, you know, we have to do something really outlandish. And he goes, yeah, let's let's high five in dead man's car. I said, I'm not high fiving you. That's lame. I said, do you remember an athlete named Desmond Howard who played for the University of Michigan? And he said, yeah, he won the Heisman Trophy. I said, do you remember what he did a week before he won the Heisman Trophy? And PJ started flipping out. Desmond was playing against um, Ohio State mm -hmm. and season. And he was announced as a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. And he ran a punt back 92 yards and ran up to the ABC camera and hit the, the famous Heisman Trophy pose before he won the, the award, which was incredibly cocky to do. Did he just yeah. blow it? He pissed people. Well, so he won the Heisman. Yeah. I thought okay. it was one of the uh, uh, ballsy moments I'd ever seen in college sports. Yes. So I, and I said, I will be in dead man's curve in the pack of bulls and I will hit a Heisman pose in dead man's curve. Now you got to watch the movie. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wait, you're crazy. You are literally nuts. Like, I mean, that is, that is nuts. And you were sober. So you're doing all of this sober now. You are totally sober. This is clear headed Daniel doing this. Yeah. I don't have any excuses anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually dying. That's great. I mean, that's, that's ballsy. So really there's no way to actually prepare for this then. I mean, no, what I learned was, um, you know, I lost, uh, 57 pounds in five months. I got in pretty good shape to do it. Um, I had a couple of injuries along the way, one right before the run while I was in Spain, that was really set me back. So mm -hmm. uh, the film, you'll see what I went through. Yeah. Um, but uh, you can't predict what the other human beings are going to do. There's tens of thousands of people on the street. And as you start to run, if one falls or one dives out of the way, it creates a pile up in front of you and there's really nowhere to go. Yeah. The bull pick somebody out and they start flinging them in the air and stabbing them with their, um, with their horns. So uh, that's a known entity of, um, you know, what do you do with the kid in front of you that's three sheets to the wind because you've been drinking all night and he thought this was a good idea. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of that stuff in the movie. Yeah, no, I'm I'm so excited to see it. I was kind of hoping for a screener, um, but you know, I didn't get one, and that's okay. That is okay because that just you know that's going to force me to to watch it and to um you know, or or even come out to Long Island for the opening, which is next Friday, July thirtieth. 
Yeah, or you can uh, you can go on Apple Play or um, or Google or Tubi. It's on a lot of venues right now. If you okay, just so it's, it's already out there, people can watch it right now. They can stream it now. Okay, but formally. Um, for all the New Yorkers out there, the movie will be premiering at the Long Island Film Festival Friday, uh, July 30th at 8.30. And I believe it's free to everybody. Yeah, I think so. I yeah, think it's, it's free. To, it's free to everybody. So that's huge. Um, you know, movies are back. Things are back. Things are happening in New York again. And, you know, I'm excited about it. I'm here for it. Now, what do you think that TJ would say if he saw this film? Um, you know, I've often thought about that. I, 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 with the amount of work PJ and I did and the type of person he was, the idea I could use his death to help save another life, he would have been on board for that in a second. So, you know, I, I, I was angry at PJ. I was saying this is not the script that I wrote and this is not how it was supposed to happen. He was supposed to help me help other guys for the next 30, 40 years, hopefully. And, and now he's not here. So in his absence, um, I've made this film and, you know, I've been in movies that have won Academy Awards and I've been in TV shows that have won lots of Emmys and Golden Globes. But to be able to be in a film and make a film that um, may very well save a life is yeah. is honor I've ever received. So I mean, it's it's incredibly special. And and you know, just thinking about this, you know, you are an actor, you're a director, you're a producer, you do all these movies, but making a documentary is so different. It's like, I mean, you must, inter especially, and this is completely different. You must, you know, making a regular documentary, you must internalize everything. But for you to actually know the person that you're making it for, I cannot even imagine going home every night and sort of turning my brain off or trying to, to, to decompress, if you will. Yeah, you Bring up a good point. In this one, I don't think I'll ever make another film that was as hard to go through the editing process on because it's the first time Alec, Billy, Stephen, and I are in the same film, yeah. and, and and sisters Beth and Jane. So mm -hmm. to be in the room and have them go over how they felt twenty years ago when I was raging, using and and the wreckage that I and and what that you know did to them and and you know and and their interpretation of it but you know most of it's very true you know the yeah. factual aspect of right. you know to have to jam down my throat and watch it for hours and hours while i'm cutting the film was really difficult for me it was very emotional there were times i had to walk out of the editing bay and go god i, I don't know if i can do this anymore to, you know my brother billy was really really tough on me he was really tough you know yeah. I, I mean, but it's his truth you know and he needed to put that out there you know so mm -hmm documenting what happens so you don't really know like a scripted right. movie you're going to cut here and i'm going to show the gun and i'm going to you know this is freestyle it's just coming at you oh that is and such a good point that is such a good point that i don't think people think about it's like you you know you have it in your head what you're going to do and with a doc it's completely different completely different now you know just changing gears a little bit um with the pandemic and everything you know substance abuse Kind of skyrocketed again. Now, how you know you are a former addict? How did the pandemic affect you? You know, I have a really strong support system, and I have a lot I can go to. You know, I I actually like Zoom meetings. I like to uh, you know watch people talk. But getting um, getting people into recovery now mm -hmm. with 
COVID limiting bed space and uh, social distancing and all the stuff that's going on. And, and I believe we're going to see another huge spike in this in the fall with this Delta um, variant. So, you know, we're fighting guys' lives, you know, and yeah. own more and I get more moms and people that are wives and that are, you know, really desperate to what do I do? And uh, I don't really have a, a true answer, you, you know, for it. That initial stage of getting sober is such a, a, a trying time. Now that you can't go out and believe me, your dealer is going to come to your house and, and bring it to you. So, um, yeah. uh, I so, mean, like, it's crazy to me because the pandemic for those of us who let's say didn't think of ourselves as an addict, all of a sudden it's like, we're at like 9am just because, and you're like, wait a second, this is not, this is not normal, but it's almost become the normal, which is, it's not okay. So me and some of my friends, we, you know, I, I just remember a few months ago, we kind of had to sit there and be like, all right, real life is starting again. We have to focus and not, you know, having a drink at three o'clock is not acceptable anymore. You know, it's, it's just insane to me how, how the pandemic changed everybody so much, so many people for the better, so many people for the worse, right? Like it's, it's insane. But now, why do you think people should watch this movie? Not to be cliche, but just put your message yeah. out there why people should watch it. Well, I'll tell you why. Um, there's a few things that I went after. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're uh, a 13, 14, 15, 16 year old, and you're sitting with your family and you want to show them something that may, you know, straighten them out a little bit. You know, it may, uh, this can happen. This is not some inner city problem that has a race or a creed or a color. This, this problem we're having with the opioids is hitting everyone. Yeah. And it's uh, um, socioeconomically uh, limited. You know, actually, people that have more money, more affluent families, their kids are suffering more because they have access to spend the money on the drugs. True. So, you know, it's an expensive habit. Um, so I, I think, you know, back about 25 years ago, um, when my mother started her breast cancer research fund, breast cancer was something that we said over the, over the last 20 years. Everyone now knows someone that has breast cancer. Well, let me tell you something. Everyone now knows someone that's lost, that the kid is dead. We've lost someone your neighbor, a kid at school, one of your own family members, God forbid. But we all know someone. We lost 75,000 kids from the ages of 15 to 25 last year mm-hmm. overdoses. So, I mean, it's yeah. cra- more than we lost in the Vietnam War. So, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a big number. So, yeah. and that's just, this year we'll lose more. The pandemic will make it worse. We're going to crest 100,000 deaths. And listen, this COVID thing is terrible. But there's a lot of response money going into COVID. There was a lot of response money that's going. They haven't spent a single dollar of the federal government to help these kids. Not one dollar. Yeah, that's it's very concerning. This has been a thing for a long time now, an extremely long time. And and I'm from New Hampshire and the Manchester area, which is actually where I went to high school. I went back, you know, a couple of years ago for the first time in a while and hung out with high school friends. And just like you said, they one of the guys listed off like eight people we went to high school with that overdose that were, were dead. And I was completely shook by it. Cause I was like, wait, are you serious? Because in Manchester, the it's insane there, the, the opiate, it's insane. So I, I just was not, I was not ready for that. Um, but I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I agree. The government should be putting money um, into helping these kids because there are so many addicts out there. So many, yeah. and it's, it's heartbreaking. And, 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 
point to answer your question of why you should see the film. Um, many people ask me, you know, um, well, why did you make it? And I said, well, I was suffering. I was really suffering at the loss of this kid. So a lot of people come by and they pat me on the back and they go, wow, it was so great. You kept your promise. That's not why I did it. I didn't do it for that reason. I did it for two reasons. I wanted people that were left behind to have a voice. I wanted people, because when you lose someone that's 32, yeah. 32, you know, they're not supposed to die before you. You know, a mom on camera talking about, did you enable your son? Did you, what would you have done different when we're talking about her dead son? I mean, it's very powerful to hear an, another mom when you're, when you're going through this or you've gone through it and lost a child. There's a, and there's a lot of them out there now. Like I just quote 75,000 of them last year. So there was, I wanted wow. to give people that are, that are left behind. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'll just say, I cried at the trailer. So I am like extremely scared, to, you know, to watch it in the sense that I, uh, you know, I guess it's, it's going to be an emotional, um, it's truth. It's, it's hard for people to watch truth, right? It's hard for us to, to face these type of films um but in the end we're all better from them so i'm i'm so excited to watch it and um you know i did want to ask you this and i didn't want to i didn't want to take away from the movie at all or or be inappropriate but you know something that you you were on celebrity rehab a while ago and i for me, I always wondered, I have never interviewed anybody from that show, but I know that everybody was a real addict. And to me, that show made a mockery of addicts. And I, oh. I did not appreciate that. That's why I left the show. Okay. I walked. Yeah, I know you walked off and it was, it was upsetting to me. And I was, you know, I was working on a story a while ago, just about that, where I was like, how could he, you know, and I love Dr. Drew just from, you know, uh, being, I don't know him as a human being. I, I can't say I don't like him, of course. I don't have his phone number to, to text him or anything like that. How can I not like him? But I'm like, as a doctor, that doesn't seem like it would be helpful to, to addicts, you know? Well, you know, first of all, Drew's a great clinician. He's a really good guy, too. I'll, I'll start with that. Right. I, I really care about him. He was very helpful to me. Oh, um, good. Okay. But I will say this. There was the clinician side, and I think Drew learned this too. And then there was the the hosts and the uh, um, uh, and the producers of the show. And when Drew would leave, they would literally whisper things in your ear. They were they were terrible people. You know they oh, they didn't God. and they you know go in go in the hot tub and take your shirt off. Go in the you know they'd whisper little things and to like, the girl. No, that is fine for the real world, or that is fine for road rules. But these are these are fragile people. This is what, this is what pisses me off where it's like producers, that's fine for the real housewives, but like not for addicts. come on. Like, and the show was wildly popular because it was wildly entertaining, but not in a good way. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you experienced it. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I'm, I'm actually glad that we're on the same page. I always yeah. was wondering about that. So I'm, I'm very glad, but um, Daniel, this was, this was so nice to talk to you. Um, it really was. I'm, I'm, I'm honored that, that we had a chance to speak and I'm honored to, um, to promote this movie so everyone can watch it and see all the work that you put into it. Okay, so that's Daniel Baldwin, everyone. And if you're in the New York City area, you can attend the Long Beach Film Festival um, starting July 30th. So that's tomorrow night. 
And um, you know what? You'll get to see my promise to PJ for free. So that's worth it. But if you like this podcast, don't forget to rate and subscribe on Apple. Until next time, thanks for listening.